1: You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This program is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Bride Ministries. And you can find us at www.bridemovement.com. Folks, we are in the last week of January. That means one month has gone by. If you... Were part of my world. You would probably feel like I do and be like, "Man, is it 2017 yet?" <laughs> There's been so much going on, but you know what? Praise God, it's all good. If you were a financial contributor to Bride Ministries in the year 2015, you will be receiving a donation statement from us. If we have your email, it'll be in your email. If we have your uh, physical address, you'll get a statement in your physical address. If you have both, you'll get a statement in both and you will have that within the next week or two depending on uh how long it takes for the mail to go through and different people are in different places and and some of you are actually in other parts of the world so that might take a bit longer but those are all being processed and being sent out so no worries if you are a financial contributor you will be seeing this show up soon and if you don't be sure to get in touch with us and say hey uh You know, Daniel, maybe there was a little bit of oversight in your bookkeeping. We contributed this and we did not get a statement and we will rectify that immediately. Um, So there's that. And I want to say, thank you. You know, we were truly blessed last year. I I mean, the the generosity that you have shown my listening audience has empowered us. I I mean, in, in just the most awesome ways, we are helping survivors uh, we are underwriting the help of eight right now. We're about to move to nine. And it's it, it, it's just amazing. You know, the people are getting help. What, what, what do you mean survivors? Who are you helping survivors? We're helping people that are uh, survivors of satanic ritual abuse and government-sponsored mind control agendas, having received the brunt of the worst crimes of all of history in this generation. And, um, man, is, is this... Something that is so necessary and so needed, and just not available, and we are trying to bridge that gap, and we are trying to help, and we are. And right now, we're in a phase of our development where we are co- composing a community of DID coaches that uh, will ultimately uh, expand into the next phase of our agenda, which is to build facilities around the world, um, and. W- also the construction of a DID coaching school where we will be training more coaches to work with more survivors that have come through satanic ritual abuse and government-sponsored mind control agendas. God wants people set free, and he wants to bind up the brokenhearted. And here at Bride Ministries, we've said we sign up. We we volunteer. Uh, We're going after it. We'll do it. And so uh, thank you for all of you that have financially supported us because you've helped us to do that. You keep us running on the air every week. We put out this podcast. Also, um, other things behind the scenes and future endeavors. Folks, we are planning to build an internet-based ministry service. This is coming. It's coming soon. It's coming fast. It is really being pushed forward. We're pushing hard. We're pushing hard because you know what? By spring, by spring, I'm speaking it. By spring, I want this Up and running. What do you mean internet-based ministry service, Dandoval? What we want to do is create, and we're looking at Friday nights, a Friday night service that will play out live at a certain time. Everywhere in the world, it'll be the same time. uh, We will start our service and it will begin with a worship set that we produce. It'll actually be probably a recording and we may even do some cool things where we allow for different music selections depending on your preference of worship right and and so there will be time for worship and everyone that participates will literally log in to that service with their smart tv iphone ipad tablet uh, pc whatever you have um and you'll be able to participate in that worship god put some people in your house get them involved it's going to be modeled after a house church model of uh, pursuing God. And after that worship service, we're going to bridge into the speaker, whether it's myself or one of my friends, and the word of God will be presented. The whole design of the church is going to be based around equipping. We want to equip you. We don't just want to sit there and talk to you. We, we want people to get equipped with kingdom thinking, with an effective approach to their walk with God, to be empowered, set on fire for Jesus. Uh, that's going to be the very DNA of the uh, of the ministry service. You know, I, I get many people that listen to this podcast say, I, I love what you're doing, Daniel. Are there any local churches around that offer what you are putting forward on your podcast? Oftentimes the answer is either no or I don't know. How, how can I know? I, I'm over here where I am. You are where you are. It's not like I can just scan the entire U.S. and say, I know exactly where, you know, this is for you or that is for you, you know. And I have a lot of people that want community. They, they're they saying, you know, how, how can we get involved even with Bride Ministries? And it's uh, very hard to say, well, as it, an Internet-based podcast, it's kind of hard to get people involved. One, you're not local. I don't know you. Um, and... So we're trying to develop solutions for that. One of those is the discipleship that we launched, and uh, now we're going to do this internet-based ministry service. And, and so uh, it will afford people the opportunity to get involved, and, and let me explain how. So after our speakers get done speaking and everyone around the world, wherever they happen to be, will be watching that, taking their own notes, learning, what have you, then there will be a bridge where people will then be uh, funneled into internet-based discussion groups where using, you know, cameras on phones, computers, whatever have you, uh, people will actually be able to have live face-to-face chats with other people, like-minded individuals around the world about the things that they're learning and growing in. And so we will bridge the void in community that many people find themselves in when they uh, begin to follow ministries like mine. It's And, you know, when, we're, when you're, you know, very interested and in the Lord is working in you and you're dealing with things that no one wants to talk about in your local community. And so we're going to be bridging that gap by creating community. And of course, you know, it's not the same as having physical people there because, well, we're all on the internet, but... The model will allow for you to bring people into your home that you know and that will be able to participate in house church with you where you are physically if you're able to pull that in. And so realistically, we are looking at creating this tool for the word of God to equip you where you are and to also open the door wide to community with like-minded people from around the world. Uh, We'll be looking for group leaders with this kind of thing. And, of course, most of the people I look to for that role will actually be people that I have gotten to know through our discipleship courses. Which, by the way, we are now in the second week of. Uh, We started those last week. Um... And we won't be letting anyone else sign up for this round of classes at this point. But uh, we will be allowing those of you that are interested to continue to get a hold of us. We'll put you on a waiting list. You'll be the first to know the next phase uh, for the next phase of classes, when those start. You know, you'll get the email first. And then later on, we'll send it off to our entire email list uh, to fill up any seats that aren't taken. But... Man, I mean, discipleship is just fire. It is just exciting. Uh, People are having an awesome time, learning a lot, and meeting I'm meeting a lot of really cool people. And so uh, what is discipleship? We are attempting to make disciples of Jesus Christ. That's what we're trying to do. And and through our discipleship courses, we are empowering people to be more Christ-like and more effectively engage their faith and the promises that they have received in Christ Jesus. Many people have lived a life where they're just getting their butt kicked by the devil because they don't know. They don't know how not to. They're not being taught. And they're not being taught in their churches. We're, we're, we're trying to fill that gap. We're trying to say, hey, <laughs> how did we learn how to do that? How, how did we learn how to live victoriously? How did we learn how to do the kingdom and kick the devil's butt? <laughs> I kick the devil's butt. That's what I do. It's my job. God told me how. And now I'm going to tell you. Sign up for discipleship. So, That's running. We got the internet church. We're pushing towards the media studio. Folks, we're doing really a lot of things, you know, and um, one of the other things we're going to be doing is talking with a gentleman by the name of Kenan Bridges on, well, prophetic prayer and the kingdom of God. I'm not going to bore you with any more details, um, except to say this. Folks, with the launch of this internet-based ministry service, which, I mean, we're talking spring. We're talking soon. We're talking, we are going to unpack this as soon as possible. We're looking at spending a nice chunk of change, okay, thousands and thousands of dollars to build this website that's going to allow us to do exactly what I'm talking about. We have to build it. We have to pay for that. And so, if you've been thinking, hey, I would like to sow into something really cool, something that the Lord... Uh, well I I'd identify with I, I would like to see happen um, a special project maybe that I've been reserving a special seed for something like that hey we have one it's called this plan and so uh, we have a operating budget we have all the survivors we're helping and everything we're running in the background um, and above and beyond that we're going to be spending thousands and thousands of dollars to build this project and so if you're looking for somewhere to sow into the kingdom hey hey We receive it in Jesus' name. Folks, uh, we're believing God that it's covered. And uh, we're not going to incur any debt on any projects that we're doing right now. (laughs) We're paying cash. And we have faith for that. And we know it's provided because we are kingdom citizens and partnered with heaven. And if you want to be a part of that, you can just visit BrideMovement.com and support us by clicking donate. Hey, I'm not going to go any further. When we come back, we'll be with Keenan Bridges. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Are now sitting down with our special guest, Kenan Bridges, Apostle Kenan Bridges. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to this program. I appreciate this gentleman quite a bit. He has quite a lot to say about the kingdom of God, a subject that I am super excited about all the time. Now, through his profound revelation of the Word of God and dynamic teaching, he's revolutionized the lives of many people in the body of Christ. He's been on several television programs and a lot of radio shows. He's written a large number of books, and one of those books we'll actually be talking about today. Uh, He reveals the authority and identity of the New Covenant believer. He's also the senior pastor of Grace and Peace Global Fellowship in Tampa, Florida, and he has a peculiar anointing for understanding and teaching the scripture along with the gift of prophecy and healing. Um, his website is com, And that's K Y N A N B R I D G E S.com. Keenan, welcome to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall.
2: Thank you, Dan. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. And I believe that, man, God is up to something supernatural.
1: <laughs> Amen. Yes, He is. And, you know, uh, I, I've actually interviewed you before, not on this format, but that was um, a joy. The first time we got to connect, and uh, you know, we, we see a lot of the same things, brother. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I really, um, I really respect that and enjoyed that um, fellowship. And you know, you recently released a book called "The Power of Prophetic Prayer: uh, Release Your Destiny," and and one of the big things that are, is on my heart all the time. I'm always like, how God can we work together to get the body of Christ equipped to be more effective because what I realize is that we have all the power we have all the authority in Christ Jesus because Jesus has all the power and all as a matter of fact (laughs) the Bible says he has received all power and all authority in heaven and on earth and that's the reason why we're supposed to go and make the disciples of all nations so it's like where's the disconnect and um, you know you you, you wrote this fantastic book man And, and I just want to begin here you know tell us a little bit about how god brought you around to a revelation of his kingdom and and the conversation on authority in christ in general
2: you know uh i go all the way back to when i first became born again in the 90s and at that time i didn't have a lot of teaching i went to a great church i don't know a great ministry but in terms of understanding warfare and things like that, I wasn't necessarily very well versed on that. And I remember being a young believer and the enemy started attacking me physically, spiritually. One night I was literally arrested in my sleep through this very malevolent event, which I now understand was what we would call demonic oppression. And as I'm literally just trying to manage this thing, I was so afraid at the time, I didn't even want to go back to sleep again. That's how terrified I was. Mm. And I, I thought to myself, oh God. And what's the first thing that happens when we're praying and we're doing things for God and we're being used by God, His Spirit is operating through us, and we come against resistance. Our natural reaction is just like your body, your nervous system. When you have a pain, it's your body's way of telling you, "Don't do that anymore." And so, that was the message that was being conveyed to me: "Don't do this anymore, because if you keep on praying and you keep on ministering to people and sharing the gospel, with people, the devil's going to get you." And so I thought, well, let me, let me, maybe I should scale back on this, because if this is what happens when you when you do this then, then I may need to avoid this but I heard it said once that your greatest annoyance is often your greatest anointing <laughs> and I remember being in that room one night and I just got tired My Brother Dan and I said you know what God help me please and, and, and it lifted temporarily and then later on I was about to be baptized in water and same things that happened again, except for this time it was worse. And I said, of all the things I could say, Jesus! <laughs> and I, when, I, when I screamed the name of Jesus, immediately it broke off of me. And when that happened, I realized that there was power in that name. Now I know we use that as a colloquial and sometimes religious expression. But it's real. It has to be revelatory. You have to know in your spirit, man, that there's power in his name. And if there's power in his name, that means that his name is sovereign. And if his name is sovereign, that means that he is the king. If he is the king, there must be a kingdom. And if there is a kingdom, then I'm a citizen of that kingdom. And so it it changes the way we look at the world around us. And I remember I remember sort of growing from that and then when I got to college I remember I had a situation where someone was demonized and was threatening to harm me and I cast the demon out of the person and the, the power manifested again and I said man this thing is real the power of God is real the name of Jesus is, is powerful and and so that kind of led to my journey on, uh, kingdom, but then fast forward and I'm skipping quite a few things when God when uh, God reiterated his call to the ministry on me and my wife and I when we started our ministry we planted the church the Lord began to teach me about this message of the kingdom of God because unfortunately a lot of people know religion, a lot of people know tradition and some folks even know church but but many people don't understand the kingdom of God you know god is a king and he 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 oversees or he has domain over a kingdom we call it the kingdom of god which is god's influence his power his authority his dominion his rulership in every area of life and existence and it expands to every part of our being now we, we've heard the term the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of heaven is one aspect of God's entire kingdom. The, the kingdom of heaven is within the kingdom of God. And so His. I say that to say that you can't just wait to see the kingdom when you get to heaven. you got to have kingdom here while you're down on earth. What and if you're saying... waiting for him to get kingdom, then you, you're going to be waiting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Brother, this is, a, this is a thing. A kingdom is a government over which a king presides. That That's just the obvious conclusion. And it's it's the thing that so many Christians miss. They, they don't even know what they're dealing with. They don't know what they're engaging. They don't know what God has set up. And okay. for that reason, we often don't know how to make the kingdom work for us on this that's side right. of reality. We, we're stuck yeah trying to use flawed paradigms to engage God. And we end up with things like, well, since God is sovereign, he just does what he wants. So whether I pray or not, things will go exactly the way God planned for them to go in my life. The answer is, that's a flawed perspective. I mean, it's not the way it works. And uh, (laughs) I'm like laughing because I'm listening to you explain what happened. And to you, it's like, you know, this um, arrest came in your sleep. And and you know what? I went through almost the exact same thing, Kenan. When, when I was in thir- like 13 years old, 12, 13, something like that, I went to a Christian camp for, it was like a two-day thing. And I left there on fire. I was like really, really, really excited about God. And I was like, you know what? I'm, a, I'm just going to get real passionate about God right now. And I got home. I went to bed that night. And I'll tell you, as soon when I fell asleep, this spirit, walked into that room and jumped on my body and wrestled with me probably for an hour i mean it was brutal it was a total butt kicking in the spirit realm i really got messed up i mean and i finally it took like an hour for me to be able to wake up my body to the point that i could say get out in the name of jesus and it left Mm -hmm. when i said jesus but it took almost yeah. an hour. Like, I mean, it was just, it just lasted like forever, you know, to, to get to that point where I could finally say Jesus and and, and it would end. And I, I'll tell you what, man, that that kind of wiped me out for a while. I I was in the same boat. I was like, if this is what it means <laughs> to be excited yeah. about Jesus, I might, I might just lay that down. Um, mm-hmm. What a lie from the pit of hell, brother!
2: Yes, it is. It is. It is, and hey, you know. If I, if I may say Please. something here um, one of the biggest things I deal with it this in uh, The Power of Prophetic Prayer and one of the premises of the book is release your destiny and in the I want to say about somewhere between the 14th and 15th century we know about the the Protestant Reformation, which was very good. It, it really broke people away from the papal worship system, which was based on idolatry and and based off of a hierarchical um, paradigm, which left the people who were unlearned or miseducated or uneducated, it left them at a strategic disadvantage. And when you went to the Catholic Church, the only person that read their Bible was the priest, because he was the only one trained in Latin to be able to read the Latin Vulgate and the rest of the Latin Bible. And so the commoners couldn't even read the Bible. So it was Martin Luther and others that said, you know what, hey, we, we what we're doing is not necessarily what was intended. When when Paul said in Ephesians, that by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. And from that idea came what we know now as the Protestant Reformation, which is the father to every Protestant movement in the Western world, including Pentecostalism and and all of that kind of stuff. But there was a problem with this whole movement in in the sense there was still this lingering classical, what we call the classical conception of God, which came, it, it was very prevalent in medieval times. The notion of God being sovereign, and uh, this sovereignty of God doctrine, or this theology, had its roots in the way the the kingdoms or the um, yeah the the kingdoms were set up at that time, and the the way the the crowns were established. You see, in those days, the the kings ruled through tyranny, and they ruled through destruction. If I want, if I want a wife, I'm just going to take yours. If I want your land, I'm just going to take it. There's nothing you can do about it. Which is, that's one attribute of a kingdom, you know. But the, the the thing about God is that yes, He's king, yes, He's sovereign, but He's also omnibenevolent. He's also gracious. He's good beyond our comprehension. And one of the greatest misconceptions rooted in this sovereignty of God is God willeth it. Whatever will be, will be. If I, if I pray, it doesn't matter. Uh, you no, know, that bird landed on that car and it pooped on top of that car because that was the will of God, or that person died because that was the will of God. And, and really, it is a perversion of the scriptural, biblical conception of the sovereignty of God, because my Bible tells me that this sovereign God said, will I hide from Abraham that thing which I desire to do, seeing he's my friend? And he literally, in physical form, what we call a theophany, manifests himself to Abraham and talks to him about the state of Sodom and Gomorrah before he does anything. My Bible tells me about a God that tells Hezekiah through the prophet Isaiah, get your house in order, you're going to die. And Hezekiah, instead of saying God willeth it, he goes and prays and says, Father, please, you've seen my works, you've seen, I I humble myself, I repent before you. And we see his fate being changed. And before Isaiah could get in his Cadillac and drive off, he has to turn around and say, thus says the Lord, I'm giving you 15 more years. And we we have tons of examples. We can talk about Moses, who God says, you know what, I've decided to destroy the Israelites and make a nation just of you and your children. And Moses says, no, remember your covenant, O Lord God. And the Bible records, your Bible and my Bible records, that God said repented him of the evil which he decided decided to do, and he spared the Israelites because of the prayers of Moses, who interceded on their behalf. And so the Bible says that we are co-laborers together with God. Now, that will make the average Reformed theologian turn over in their grave, because the truth of the matter is we have been called by God to manifest His kingdom in the earth, to manifest His purposes in the earth, and to affect change in the atmospheres and environments around us as we come into agreement with His Word. That's real sovereignty. Sovereignty is not just God sitting on a rocking chair killing everybody for sport sovereignty means that god in his sovereignty has chosen to partner with his creation to partner with his children you know the bible actually says in genesis chapter 2 that adam brought that god brought the animals to adam and watched this it literally says in both the hebrew and english bible that god brought them to see what he would name them mm. could it be possible could it be possible my brother that god is Waiting to see what we're going to name The situation, the circumstance in our life Is it possible that, that God is looking to us To see if we're going to take his word Which he's given us To take his authority which he's given us And begin to manifest His power In and through our lives I believe he, he desires to do that Oh
1: come and on now I don't know If you're preaching this hard enough brother Let me say this let me say this yeah I tell people listen Satan cannot do anything without man but that's God right. will not do anything without man
2: that's right very good way to put it. I'm gonna steal that by the way okay. you can't. You can't
1: it's yours mad. brother all right this, this, this is called the kingdom of abundance we, we share and everyone has more than enough that's right. That's right. See, Keenan, I, I just love the way you're phrasing this, right? Because this is true kingdom thinking. See, people have been trapped in this mentality, uh, and, and what it does is it puts them in freeze and lockdown. That's right. Because they, they they essentially render themselves subject to their environment and and to the facts of the situation. As a matter of fact, let me let me throw something out here. I tell people. I believe that truth is higher than fact and that the word of God supersedes the reality of your situation. What do you think about that?
2: That's absolutely true. You know,
1: fact is simply what's, it's observable data in
2: nature. But the kingdom of God is higher than nature. Why did Jesus walk on the water? Well, because the word of God takes preeminence over H2O. Therefore, because he is the living word incarnate, every time he took a step on the Sea of Galilee or we call the Lake Canarit, or the Sea of Tiberias, whatever name you want to call it, every time he took a step on that water, the laws governing H2O had to submit themselves to the laws of the kingdom of God, which says Nothing shall be impossible. So even nature had to bow down to the truth of God's word. You see, when truth is revealed and brought into manifestation, the facts have to submit to the truth. And that's why when your doctor tells you, you know, it's a fact that I see a lump on your your breast or on your chest or whatever it may be, that may be an observable you know, the form of data in nature. But the truth is, First Peter 2.24, with his stripes, I was healed. And the truth will always take preeminence over what's observable in nature. And when Christians believe this and know this in their heart, it'll change the way they interact. In fact, the truth is within you. And a lot of times, we are the key to transforming our environment to the glory of God. I tell people all the time, if I can go here, just because re- I, I feel this a man, I'm about to start. Oh, and- go there, brother. What God desires to do, he wants to terraform the earth. Now, what is terraforming? Terraforming is a concept mostly found in sci-fi movies where, where people from earth, or what they would refer to as earthlings, <laughs> Will go to a foreign planet or an alien planet that maybe their oxygen, maybe there's too much CO2 in their atmosphere. So they will use a device to manipulate the atmosphere to make it conducive to their home environment. We call it terraforming. Well, God wants to terraform the earth with the atmosphere of heaven. How does He do it? He does it through His. Ambassadors. Who are his ambassadors? We are. We are ambassadors of Christ. Now, you. watch this. You can never have an ambassador without an embassy. The fact that there is an ambassador means that there is an embassy from which that ambassador has been sent. And uh, I heard a story many years ago of a lady, a friend of mine, she went to, they actually went to this place in D.C., and they went to the ambassador of Iraq. He has an embassy there, the Iraqi embassy. Now, Iraq is actually a very wealthy country. And so when they walk into this embassy, all of the rugs, you know, they are Persian rugs, there's gold everywhere, there's all sorts of wool and expensive accoutrements, all represented in that embassy. Why? Because this is the way Iraq looks So in order for me To be an embassy I have to represent the culture The atmosphere The philosophy The mentality The paradigm Of the country In which this embassy represents And so Watch this Jesus told us On earth As it is in heaven What is he saying? He's saying that it is the responsibility of his ambassadors to create a watch this or to become a conduit from which the through which the culture of heaven might be manifest in the earth that's why if you are a believer everywhere you go people should see the kingdom of God why because the kingdom is within you in fact Jesus said, he had the boldness to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Can we boast of that truth? Can we say that if somebody's seen you, they've seen Jesus? Can can we say with audacity that my coworkers have seen the kingdom? Why? Not because they watched it on TVN or another Christian television network, not because they saw a play, but because they saw the culture of heaven being expressed through your lifestyle, through your words, through your behavior. Do your actions. And so, this is what we've been called to do to terraform our environment to create now the atmosphere and the culture of heaven wherever we go. And one of the ways we do this is through prophetic prayer, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that in a minute.
1: Oh, we're going there, man. Oh, we're going. You see, that's why we're talking. Man, that is exactly. <laughs> I mean, you, you, I'm almost like you. You are you reading out of the introduction to my book, Kingdom Government and the Promise of Sheep Nations? Because I'm like that is exactly what I opened the book with. It's it's just this idea. Look, man, you are spot on, and this is what I'm trying to get across to people: is the idea that look, we are here to bridge the gap between heaven and earth that has been fixed because of the fallen nature of man. And we are yeah. doing that through the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's our assignment on earth. That's and, and we, <laughs> you know, it's just so amazing how you begin to see things different when you realize that your assignment is to confront, not to participate or cooperate with, or to hang out around you. You're supposed to confront the facts of this world with the truth of God's word and heaven. Heaven. And you know, the thing about it is people don't understand you can partner with heaven. That that's that's, that's come on, man. Look <laughs> we, we, we gotta talk about we, we gotta talk about this prophetic prayer thing, man, because um all right, you are walking people into this idea that your prayers can actually be uh prophetic. What w- what is prophetic prayer?
2: Well, I think the first thing we have to look at is what is prophecy, which that would be a whole—we'll have to go back to another—we'll have to have another interview to just talk about prophecy in itself and a lot of the misconceptions about the prophetic. You know, I I came up in the prophetic movement, and one of the things is that—let's deal with prophecy. So prophecy, we commonly know it as uh, foretelling know, the the foretelling of future events, you know, looking at the Old Testament prophets as a model and they come and they say, thus says the Lord, in three days the Assyrian army is going to come and they're going to capture you, yada, yada, yada. And that's prophetic. It's the one of the words used in the Old Testament is not which I want to deal with that in just a minute, but it means to bring forth, to bubble up, to swell. We'll talk about that. And but the idea though is foretelling of future events. Now in the New Testament, Paul tells us in First Corinthians that that the gift of prophecy is for edification, exhortation, comfort, often known as a simple gift of prophecy. But the word prophecy, profero, which is a compound of two words, uh, the the word profero or pro means before or in front of it's a it's a a proactive verb it's saying to 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 draw or to speak ferro means to bring forth or to bear or to carry or to bring from within so the word proferro means to bring forth which means that prophecy is no is not just foretelling but it's also forth telling what do i mean by foretelling The Bible says the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy, which if Christ, who is the incarnate Word, lives inside of us by the Holy Spirit, that means that we carry the Word of God on the inside of us. We carry the Spirit of God on the inside of us, the same Spirit that was active and present in the creation of the universe, who, according to Genesis 1, brooded over the face of the waters before God said anything, that same Holy Spirit is brooding inside of us. He is moving inside of us. So when we think about prayer, prayer meaning to commune with God, to supplicate, to ask, to make requests, but there's another dimension of prayer, which is prophetic, which prayer now is not just asking God for things or not just having a conversation with God. But prayer now, then, is also to bring forth something. So in order to bring forth something, there has to be something deposited within me. And when we have this impartation of the Holy Spirit and this moving of the Holy Spirit, when we approach prayer now, we can use our prayers to bring change. In other words, we don't have to wait and see what's going to happen, but we can speak from this prophetic nature inside of us and begin to bring forth the manifestation of change transformation and the power of god in our lives. you have a loved one that that is going through some challenge or are going through some difficulty you don't have to wait and say well god you know whatever your will is no i draw from the promises of god i draw from the spirit of god and i begin to prophesy over that person whether they have given me a platform to do so or not, I can do it from my prayer closet. I can do it from that place of intimacy with God. And watch this, invite him to now intervene in the affairs of the earth. You see, prayer is God's invitation for the manifestation of God's transformation. Every time we pray, we're inviting him to intersect or to transform or to affect the affairs of our life. And so that's why we call it prophetic prayer. Because you are you are prophesying, you have a prophetic DNA, and we can go, go even back further to something that people don't understand. In the book of Numbers, Moses actually prays a prayer that most people have never read, don't know anything about. When Eldad and Medad were prophesying in the camp without Moses' permission, Joshua and some of the others were getting jealous, and they said, you know what, we ought to forbid them from prophesying. Because remember, the spirit of prophecy was literally, it was transferred from Moses to the 70 elders. And Eldad and Medad were left behind in the camp. They weren't among the 70, and they started prophesying in the camp. And so when people heard about it, they got upset because they weren't among those authorized, and I have my quote-unquote fingers moving right now, authorized to prophesy. And Moses says the most shocking thing. He says, I would that all God's people would prophesy and that God would put his spirit in all of them. Now watch this, Brother 10.
1: I'm listening.
2: Joel says... In those days,
1: <laughs> I will pour
2: out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your young men will dream, your old men, your, your 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 old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Or I might get the, I might get it mixed up sometimes, but it's one of those. And and basically, in other words, God will open the floodgates of the prophetic over the earth, and he will make an open season for every believer. So watch this now. The prayer of Moses was answered through the prophecy of Joel, which was manifested in Acts chapter 2, where Peter says, listen, these men are not drunken as you suppose, but you're seeing the fulfillment of what was written by Joel the prophet, that in those days would I pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So the moment we received the Holy Spirit, we became eligible for the spirit of prophecy, living, dwelling, functioning, breathing, acting within us. And that's not just relegated to when we have a word on Sunday or when we have a a word for somebody or when we feel something come over us. But that spirit is stirring within us 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And so as we learn to draw from this prophetic reservoir in our prayer lives, Our prayer life will take on a whole different tone, a whole different perspective, and we will become instruments of what I call agents of change in the earth. God wants to make us change agents. We're praying for change. God says, I want to make you an agent of change. I want you to become instrumental in the change that you want to see.
1: (laughs) An instrument of change. You know, uh this is this this is great you have this example in your book uh called the power of prophetic prayer release your destiny all right that's that that's your new book um you had a story about your wife in the delivery room and how there was a yeah. shift in the way you thought about prayer can you talk about that for a minute yeah it's
2: it's a great story my daughter was my wife was pregnant with my, my oldest daughter at the time who was much she's a big girl now man she is just so grown hmm. but I remember it like it was yesterday because you know how it is with your first child it man it's like you're on eggshells pins and needles you, you don't know what to expect you're just praying and hoping that everything will go well and we were doing the same but yet my wife was experiencing some serious complications in fact they were concerned with the birth weight of my daughter because of some things going on with my wife and we're in the delivery at this point my wife had been in if I'm not mistaken she had been in labor for over 24 hours at this point and yet she was not really dilating so the doctors came in and said we, we're we going to have to do a c-section because we tried to honor your request but if we don't do a c-section we're going to put the baby at risk and so we got to do it and we said please don't do it we don't want to do that my wife didn't want to do that and so she said, "I'll give you one hour, and when we come back, if your wife's not dialed, we're, we're going to have to. I'm going to take some. I'm going to take some, basically, uh, some liberties here, you know. As as a medical professional, I have, I have to draw the line and say, no, this is what we're going to do for the sake of your your wife. And so we said, okay, well, in this hour, let us just pray. So we begin to pray. As we were praying. Um, my mother-in-law was in the room with us at this time as well, but she I think she was probably about sleep at this time. And so I began to pray, 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 pray. And all of a sudden, something shifted in me and in the atmosphere. And I went from just praying and saying, Lord, please do this, please do that, help, please, God, please, please, please. I went from that to beginning to prophesy over my wife. And I prophesied over her womb. I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, of Nazareth, I declare that my wife is fully dilated, her womb is open, and this baby is in position to be delivered in Jesus' name. And it was this aggression that rose up in me, this authority, this power, this boldness that came over me. And I began to proclaim prophetically over my wife. I wasn't asking God anything at this point, Brother Dan. It wasn't a discussion anymore. I was declaring what I knew to be God's will and purpose for that situation so here comes the 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 nurse and the doctor in there to come check my wife and they said oh my god the baby's head is poking out and so I had to throw down my chicken wings and I ran and I grabbed my <laughs> wife and and I and they said here hold her leg up and we delivered a healthy beautiful baby girl my oldest daughter Emanuela bridges and and I tell we call her Ella and God said to me from that situation he said son your wife was not only the one giving birth to something He said, while she was giving birth to a physical baby, you were giving birth to the prophetic promises of God in your life. And then I realized this. The Lord said, prayer is the labor room of the prophetic. Because it's in that labor room of prayer, not that it's just hard and cumbersome, but by labor room I mean a place of birthing, a place where we give birth to the very miracles that we're asking God to perform in our lives. Open up our spiritual wombs open up our mouths and push the miracle out, to push those prophetic promises out. How do you push them out? Number one, you got to pray persistently. Number two, you got to usher in the presence of God. Number three, you got to submit to God's word. And number four, you got to hold on to God's prophetic promises for your life. And as you push that way, you will always see a miracle manifest in your life.
1: Prayer. Prayer. Is the prophetic it, it, prayer is the labor room of the prophetic i, I really like that
0: yeah. you know th-
1: this is this is really cool keenan because what god was showing you there is that you you can step into a different kind of authority when you know what god would be saying to the situation if he was in fact standing there which he was because you were standing there <laughs> that's right whoa that's, you know it's like right. people don't understand what it means to be in Christ Jesus, it, it, this, this, come this now. Oh man, see that's why Brian Ministry we have an eight-week course. And I call it "In Christ." The whole, the whole conversation, what it means to be in the person that is your deliverer, <laughs> and to reside inside of Him with all of yeah. His. Pro- you literally stand inside of the environment of God. That, that's what God has done for you in that finished work. It's to stand inside of him. You come before God in heaven. Well, he doesn't see you. He sees Jesus. Why? Because you're inside of him. I mean, it is just this profound revelation. And, and when you begin to operate out of that, and you get unbelief out of there and fear out of there and lack, lack of faith out of there and all that, that that, that, that really bridges this, some of these gaps. And then you end up where you are, where you, you're just speaking to the situation. You speak to the womb. You're not asking, God, please help. They say, boom, get in line with the word of God. I mean, I mean that is just profound. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things God showed me, Keenan, because I do a lot of stuff in the spirit realm and all that, people with deliverance and stuff. And, and what I realize is when you begin to get a vision, so say, say God opens up your eyes and, and you're now in the discerning of spirits, you begin to see, you know, the, the demons and the angels and spiritual constructs of bondage and whatever. Uh, it's not just so you can say, well, brother, I see a dark cloud over your head and it's causing a lot of confusion in your life. God bless you. Go away now. It's like, okay, there's a dark cloud there. Yeah, it's causing confusion. So in the name of Jesus, I command the breath of the nostril, the blast of the breath of God's nostrils to blow that cloud right out of there. And that wind of the Holy Spirit is going to come and there's going to be a new environment that comes into your life. Now, that that addressing of the spirit realm from the the, <laughs> the prophetic angle re- Orients everything. It, it's like recreating what the devil has created with the power of God. It, it just move right in, move the devil right out, and and it's it's just an engaging. You engage it mm-hmm. because you're a child of God, and you can do that. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Now I'm preaching. Uh, this is your turn, man. No, I, I'm come s- on, you're preaching <laughs> good. I, I'm sorry, <laughs> man, I'm like, I, I have another question for you, though. I have another yeah. question for, you. and my next question is. What is the connection between prayer and legal transactions?
2: Well, this is a, this is very very important to understand. When Jesus talks about prayer, you understand what was Jesus' message while he was on earth—the kingdom. You know, a lot of people don't realize that Jesus didn't say, "Hey, I'm come to tell you about the gospel of Jesus." No, he said, "I am." Preaching The gospel of the kingdom This is what what the bible says Jesus went preaching the kingdom The kingdom of our father And now watch this This is powerful So when he taught us about prayer What was he doing If prayer is our legal access Into the heavenly realm Then Jesus was teaching us the protocol of prayer And how to use prayer Legally What do I mean by that Okay the unjust judge, the parable that Jesus gave. And the Bible says Jesus taught them this parable to the end that men are always to pray and not faint. And he gives this parable of the judge. And he says, If a woman goes before a judge who's an unjust judge, it doesn't fear God or God man, and this judge would not adjudicate her. He would not vindicate her in her legal disputes. And so she kept appearing before him and yet he would do anything to help her. And so the woman says, finally, you know, I've got to keep on coming before you. And the Bible records that the judge says to the woman, though I regard not God nor fear of man, but because this woman continually wearies me, I will judge in her favor. How much more will God avenge his elect, which cry before him night and day? Now, we know the concept of persistency in prayer. That's a very powerful concept. But there's some more to it than we don't think about often. Jesus gave a legal example to articulate how we ought to pray. Now, why did he do that? He did it because, in fact, as it relates to the kingdom of God, prayer is a divine legal transaction initiated in the courts of heaven that produces a divine outcome in the earth. So just as this judge in the parable was to issue a judgment that would vindicate that woman, so our Heavenly Father is waiting and willing to vindicate us in matters in the earth, and the way we seek this vindication is through the divine legal transaction of prayer. This is why Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8 that we don't know how to pray as we are, because... You know, we're limited by our natural infirmity. So the Holy Spirit helps and that's the Greek word parakletos, helper. Another word for that is paralegal. Now why is that why is he saying paralegal? Because if you go to a courtroom and you try to represent yourself and you don't know the right legal jargon or you don't know the law, then you you're not gonna be in a place to get the desired outcome that you want. That's why we have legal counsel or legal representation. So watch this. When we pray, the Holy Spirit acts as our divine legal counsel, watch this, that brings our prayers into alignment with the law of the kingdom of God, thereby, therefore guaranteeing that what we ask will come to pass. That's why Jesus said, whatever you ask, what? In my name it shall be done unto you. First John tells us whatever we ask according to his word, will, it shall be done unto you. So when we look at prayer as more than just a religious exercise, excuse me, and we see it now as a divine legal transaction, we can be sure that we will be vindicated from the courts of heaven. In other words, God will manifest his word. Let's say you're praying for sickness in your body. You say, you know what? And by the way, the Bible doesn't really tell us to pray for sickness in our body. It tells us what the law says know the law says the law says in the uh, courts of heaven versus satan article one of the book of peter chapter two Subchapter or subsection 24 with his stripes we were healed so watch this so when sickness comes to impede your health we are now calling upon the law of heaven watch this to vindicate us in the matter of this oppressor of sickness coming against our body. And when we pray according to his word, we can guarantee it will come to pass in our lives. And so when we when we change the way we pray, think about it. Jesus, when he cursed that fig tree, man, he just walked away. Mark 11, uh, Mark chapter 11, he just walked away because he knew that the courts had already issued a judgment in his favor. I don't need to talk to you anymore. Sure, I'm done talking to you because the courts have already ordered you to to respond. So I'm go, I'm going on about my business. <laughs> so when he did, the tree withered and died. And Peter was shocked. Oh, my God, the tree you spoke to withered and died. And Jesus says, come on, man, have faith in God. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the see and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass he will have whatever he says therefore when you pray believe that you receive them and you'll have them and when we look at it this way it changes everything
1: (laughs) so true okay next question what is the connection between prayer and justice
2: well prayer is the means for justice i mean Let me give you an example. A lot of Christians think of justice as okay, um, women don't have the right to vote, so they need justice. Or children are being fed in Somalia, they need justice. And that's true, that is an aspect of justice. But healing is justice. You know, another form of justice, deliverance is justice because it is not meat that the children should not have their daily bread. And the daily bread is a term that Jesus used to talk about deliverance and healing. So when one of God's children is not walking according to his plan for their lives, that child is in need of justice. And when we talk about justice, we're talking about the purpose and intent of God being brought into manifestation into our lives or into the affairs of men to the extent there is an alignment, come on, somebody, with what is in the earth and what is in heaven, when that alignment takes place in any area of our lives, we have received justice. When, when, When sickness comes, justice says, no, 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 you're a child of God. You're supposed to walk in healing. When bondage comes, justice says, no, 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 the blood has covered you and washed you and paid the penalty of your sin. Why should you still be bound? And your justice needs to be made manifest in that area. So prayer invokes God's justice in the earth. It, it literally says we're calling upon the Constitution of Heaven to be made manifest. Think about it. it I talk about Jim Crow. I don't know if I talk about it in this book, but I talk about it in another book. Jim Crow and how the law had actually already liberated African Americans from slavery and from discrimination, and yet, and yet, there were state laws that were violating the Constitution and violating the federal laws that had been enacted. And so, justice says, no, we need to align the state with the government. In other words, we need to align these laws with what has been written in the higher law, which is our Constitution. So, when we need justice in our lives, what we're doing, we're aligning our life with the Constitution of Heaven and saying, you know what, this is misaligned here. This doesn't look like Heaven. Therefore, justice needs to be rectified in this area. And through prayer, we are inviting God's justice to come and straighten out every crooked place, to make every path straight in Jesus' name.
1: Ooh. You know, Keenan. one of the things that people don't realize is that sowing and reaping Is cosmic Uh law. Let let me explain this, though, because you know. All right, (laughs) the first time I talked to you, we we talked about favor, and we we talked about some of those concepts, right, as it relates to you know different areas of. I I mean, how how does God really prosper a person? When I am dealing with the powers in the heavens, let's say someone's had a whole life sabotaged by Jezebel. Their whole life's been sabotaged by this heavenly princess. Right? And, uh, you know, then they come to me. When I'm getting them set free of that criminal, I have them invoke justice because sowing and reaping is cosmic law. And therefore, when heavenly powers and evil, diabolical abominations afflict a person for a lifetime of misery and suffering, that's a debt. That when you call it in with interest will sabotage the very foundations of the realms in the spirit out of which that spirit is operating. You can bankrupt the powers of darkness on behalf of what has been done against you in your life. See, Christians, we don't understand justice, Kenan. We think that God just... (laughs) Oh, Lord, you're so sovereign... That whatever is happening to me must be what you designed my life to fulfill. So, I I guess I'll just get with the. Though use this is my favorite. Though you slay me, Lord, yet will I serve you because it's all your fault, right? And 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 right. see, they they don't understand that you can invoke justice through prayer.
0: Mm.
2: Oh yeah,
1: you know what?
2: It's God's righteous recompense. You know,
1: <laughs> the Bible talks about. <laughs> Doesn't he say vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will recompense? <laughs> like oh, go ahead. That's what he said. Go ahead.
2: No, that that's what he says. I'll repay. You know, that's why he told him in, over there. He said, I will restore the years that the locusts have stolen. Now, you might live in Chicago. i never seen a locust before. But he's not talking about <laughs> locusts. Uh, 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 in, in the wilderness. He's talking about spiritual forces that have robbed you of your peace of mind, robbed you of your abundant life, robbed you of your sense of worth and value and purpose and destiny and all the things that have raped you throughout the years. God says, not only will I deliver you from them, but it's not enough to be delivered. You need to be repaired, you need to be restored, you need to be set right. In order to do that, recompense has to be manifest. And so, Uh, In fact, I gave a prophetic word about reparations that the Lord gave me. And a lot of people talk about reparations for the slaves, reparations for the Native Americans. And God spoke to me, he says, I will repay. (laughs) I will repay for all the years of injustice and tyranny. I am the one holding your reward in my hand, and I will repay. And there is, and I just feel this prophetic word: God is about to vindicate the prayers of the righteous that have gone on sometimes for centuries that they've not seen the full ramifications of those prayers. This is the generation, I believe, that is about to receive the recompense due. That's right. All of the onslaught. That's right. All of the the degradation of the enemy in their lives, and so. I'm telling you right now, people better get ready for their payday. You don't need to look to Uncle Sam. You need to look to the heavenly realm, because that's where your payday is going to come from. And when heaven pays you, let me tell you something. Nobody can take it from you. Nobody can defraud you of that payment. It's, it's, It's coming with interest, and I believe that we need to begin to pray and to begin to declare. And I love what you said about, you know what, invoking the recompense of God. The justice of God against the forces of darkness that have robbed people, that have manipulated people, that have tried to destroy people, and 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 we have to begin to place a demand on the courtroom of heaven to give us our just due.
1: It's exactly you know you know why this generation will do that, Keenan. I believe because the people like you are talking. See, the thing is, when God's people don't know what they're supposed to do, they just don't do it. That's right. They just don't do it, you know? And it's like, well, uh, yeah, you know, if God wants me to have it, he'll just give it to me. No, he won't. He He already did that in the spirit. He, he gave you every spiritual gift, blessing in heavenly places. <laughs> Come on. But it's your faith that's going to connect you to it. And if you don't aggressively pursue things, Things like the blessings of God, the justice of God, um, man, things have gotten so violent in my own ministry. I, I've been calling it the ministry of wrath. We, we're taking buckets of God's wrath and pouring it out on the powers of darkness, Kenan, because you know what? There is such a debt that the kingdom mm-hmm. of darkness is racked up against the children of God mm-hmm. that I am calling. I am calling on generations and what you just said. I'm doing that. You have wrecked. 15 generations going back of this person's family tree devil. And you know what? On behalf of this individual, we're calling back the debt on their lives and the lives of all their ancestors because we're saying everyone they represent is now being recompensed. And and see this thing, (laughs) the devil does not want this news to get out. This can be done. This is a legal act, you know. And so I'm telling you, when when you have a generation of people that stand up and say, you know what, we're calling the devil to pay the debts that he has racked up. Uh, it, it, it's going to be a breakout, man. It, this is really bad. Oh yeah, It's really bad.
2: It oh yeah. It's, this is serious. And, uh, and that's what I believe is happening. And if I, if I may just add another dynamic to this, the idea of destiny being some sort of static, impersonal reality you know people talk about their destiny talking about something in the far off distance somewhere something that really you know god's already decided what he's going to do and i really have no part to play in that i'm just going to kind of flow again it goes back to the sovereignty idea and god began to speak to me and say and said to me that he's calling on his children to release their destiny in other words you're already pregnant with your destiny. You got to give birth to it, and prayer is how we birth out our destiny. I remember when we first started our ministry in Tampa, and we would be in the the room, our, our pray, you know our, our living room praying, and there was just the same shit began to happen. And I began to just begin to speak into the atmosphere, and I didn't know I was speaking into my own destiny and calling it into manifestation. And everything that I'm doing now, traveling all over the world. Uh, being able to write books and being able... All that stuff was called out from my prayer closet. It didn't just happen in the vacuum. I didn't just stumble upon an opportunity one day and think, no, 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 I prayed through these things. Watch this, because there are many things that the enemy has set up in people's lives to cause destiny abortion. And so what I'm saying is not only... Are we pregnant with destiny? But we're going to have to give birth to it, and we're going to have to break through the barriers that would cause us to abort our destinies prematurely. There's so many people that are in prison right now, and that was never a part of God's plan. There's so many people whose marriages have been destroyed. That was never a part of God's plan. There's so many people that are bound by addictions. and are, You have CEOs on the corners that have never stepped into a, a business school, but that's what that was their destiny, but they never saw it realized. Why? Because the enemy tried to rob them of their destiny. And that's why you and I have to speak. We have to see and seize our divine destiny. We have to see and seize our futures and say, Lord, this is what you said according to Jeremiah 29:11. You, You know the plans concerning me, plans of good and not of evil. Therefore, I decree and declare the goodness of God is made manifest in my life. I decree and declare divine opportunities are open to me. I decree and declare that all the hindrances and the blockages and the preventative measures set up by the enemy to hinder, stall, stalemate, distract, destroy, obliterate, neutralize, or abort my destiny have been removed in the name of Jesus. I have a free course to be able to walk the path you've laid out before me, and I decree that it is well concerning me. Heaven's open right now, and pour out the favor, the goodness, the opportunities, everything that I need to fulfill the plan of God for my life. And you begin to speak it. It doesn't matter what. You could be in a hellhole or in a caddy shack. But if you open your mouth under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and you begin to prophesy to your own future and cause your own future to come into manifestation into your now, then you're going to begin to realize your destiny. It's not static. It's not just sitting somewhere in outer space is inside of you, and you have to learn to release it. You have to have bold faith You're open to open your mouth and to declare in Jesus' name. And I was the first one in my family to ever even go to college. I mm. was we the first male. And if I would have sat back and talked about, well, whatever God has for me, I would be at home eating peanuts and drinking beer right now. But because i said, because the Holy Spirit filled me, he, he He showed me who he was, he showed me who I was in Christ, and I began to declare those things out. And so the idea that, that we don't play a part in our destiny is erroneous, it's false, and honestly just a lie from the pit of hell meant to keep you stuck where you are. But if I dare our listeners today to open their mouths and begin to declare what God says over their lives, when you look at Jacob, whose name meant supplanter, his name meant deceiver, manipulator. But you know what he said? He said, Lord, I won't let you go to you change my name. I know that even though my life looks the way it looks now, <clears throat> I know you have something greater for me. I know you have a plan for my life. And he began to wrestle until the transformation of his identity took place. You look at Jabez, whose name meant destruction, whose name meant ill fortune. And he said, Lord, that I would wouldest bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. And see, these are things that God has put in the word to show us. Joe 22:28 28 says, You shall decree a thing, and it shall be established, and the light shall fall upon your ways. And see, these are the things we talk about in this resource that I wrote about the power of prophetic prayer because this is not about a book, it's not about me. This is a prophetic message to the church to cause us to be activated in our purpose, activated in our boldness, activated in our kingdom assignment with kingdom authority, and be able to release our own destinies, which God has already deposited within us. Oh, I, oh I'm about to start shouting in a minute. Let me let me slow down a little bit. <laughs>
1: You're just doing fine, man. I'm like, where's the nitro? Okay. Now, uh, <laughs> Keenan, I'm here. <laughs> tell me about Revelation
2: 19.10. Revelation 19.10 says that uh, the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. Now, This is amazing because I love doing word studies. And when you look at testimony, testimony. Actually, the word testimony is from the Latin testes. And when we talk about testes, we're talking about a place where a seed is housed. Where something that has the ability to produce life is contained within. And so our testimony watch this, is the life bed of the prophetic within us. And the Bible says we've received the testimony of Jesus on the inside of us, and this testimony is also called synonymously the spirit of prophecy. So every believer who has received the testimony of Jesus has also received the spirit of prophecy. So you know what I tell people to do? Start prophesying. Ooh. If you have the spirit of prophecy inside of you, what are you waiting on? Well, we'll say Well, well I, I need I need God to inspire. He inspired you when He filled you with the Holy Spirit. That's inspiration. He breathed into you the ruach. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> the ruach lives inside of you. The same when when God breathed into Adam. Watch this. God breathed into Adam the breath of life. The ruach literally means spirit. God didn't just breathe wind. He didn't just breathe oxygen. He breathed into him his very spirit. That's why Adam was able to function like God. Why? Because he had his spirit inside of him. And and when the Ruach of God was breathing to Adam, Adam's human spirit became activated. His soul was brought into functionality, and man became a living soul. He began to function and to breathe and to move in his assignment. So watch this. Genesis 2, God brings animals to him. And, and, Adam said, and God says he brought them to Adam to see what he would name them. The name is the Hebrew word Shem. The same word we use for Hashem in Hebrew. When an Orthodox Jew says Hashem, they're referring to God. literally means the name. So God says he brought the animals to Adam. This is heavy. This is heavy. Brother Zane, we're going there. God brought the animals to Adam to see what he would name them. Why? Mm. By naming them, he was functioning in the character and attributes of his father, the nature of his father. Mm. That's the same thing God did to him. He gave Adam his name, therefore therefore, denoting his purpose, Mm. his character, his destiny, his assignment, his capacity. When Adam named the animals, he was giving them their capacity, their character, their nature. He was denoting their function in the garden. See, when Adam named them, he put the bounds on their destiny. In other words, crocodile, from now on, you're bound to the river. Come on, somebody. Bird, (laughs) you're bound to the air. That's your destiny. Fish, you're bound to the ocean. That's what Adam was doing. He was doing it by the same spirit put inside of him. And I tell people this, that... Activation, prophetic activation, takes place when we act on inspiration. Activation takes place when we act on inspiration. The Bible says holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And now we, under the new covenant, through the blood of Jesus, Yeshua, have received the new covenant. And we have the spirit of prophecy inside of us and it's time for you to start acting prophetic
1: and stop acting prophetic. Ooh. <laughs> okay, Keenan, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right. Now, I'll, I'll, I'm looking at this passage right now, and I'm scratching my head because, Keenan, I just... I'm trying to make all these ends meet right now. And Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says, If then you were seated with Christ... Seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Now, what does it mean to share God's perspective?
2: Huh? It means to see things from his vantage point. Well, that's too
1: high, Kenan.
2: If, if he's seated in heaven, right? <laughs> I was I was flying one day from somewhere. I, I fly a lot, so I, maybe I was coming to from a foreign country. I was flying to Atlanta or Charlotte; those are two of my regular stops. I go through Atlanta, I go through Charlotte quite often. And uh, I'm flying one day, and God said to me, I had a window seat, and I often request a window seat because I'd like to look out the window and meditate sometimes. And I'm flying one day, and uh, God says, look out the window. I said, yes, Lord. And I look out the window. So what do you see down there? I said, well, I see little, little sex and things. I realize everything looks different when you're higher. Hmm. A car that weighs two tons in the earth realm looks like an ant from the sky and what happens when we realize that we're seated with him in heavenly places we will stop praying to heaven and start praying from heaven oh now when you pray from heaven your problems look a lot different don't they when you pray from heaven the obstacles before you look a lot different one thing's I hate as a believer is when people try to put limits on me how can you limit me when I serve an unlimited God come on I just don't. I just can't take it. You know. People say, "Well, man, you, 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 man, that that's pretty. That 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 that's pretty good for an African American." Or you're an Af- no no no. I'm not an African American. I'm a Kingdom citizen. Ooh. Make no mistakes. You're looking at my Earth suit. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but but you, you. You're not looking at my birth suit. I, my birth suit is spiritual. My Earth suit is physical, and so. What I'm doing is I'm saying, God, I want everything that is available to me in heaven and in earth. So don't you tell me that your mama never graduated from high school. Don't you tell me that you were molested or adopted or don't you tell me you never had a father. Those things are no limit for you because you are seated in an unlimited place. And you have unlimited potential in God. You have an unlimited capacity. <laughs> I mean, my goodness, I wish this could sink into some folks.
1: I'm telling you. There are
2: no limits.
1: No. No, there are not. Coming back to what you were saying earlier, you yeah, were talking about Adam and yeah. God's nature. And my uh-huh. Bible says in 2 Peter 1, 4... By, it, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises. <laughs> now, this was promises you were talking about, that through these, ye may be partakers of the divine nature. Mm-mm-mm. Now, Keenan, I, I don't know. This might just be me. I philosophize that God might have designed His promises to allow me to operate like Him.
2: Oh my goodness.
1: What does what I mean? What, really, really? Can, can we get very confused on what the divine nature is? I mean, um, do you think that God meant that you may be partakers of the limitations of your earth suit? No.
2: He didn't.
1: <laughs> Why so, so many Christians think that way, Keenan? <laughs> well, it's their teaching. hmm
2: You can't reach beyond your teach. Ooh. That's good. So your your level of teaching will always affect your level of reaching. <laughs> <laughs> And that's why, can I say something? As leaders, sometimes we need to get out of people's way. Speak it. We need to get out of folks' way. If we're not willing to go in, Jesus told the Pharisees, here you are forbidding them to go in, and you won't dare go in the kingdom yourself. You're hindering others from going in. and <laughs> You won't even step foot in the kingdom. And that's what, as leaders, sometimes, and I'm just taking responsibility as one who was a leader, I'm saying that a lot of times we've limited our flock, we've limited the sheep by our own limitations and barriers. And God spoke to me and he said to me one time, in fact, I was in the airport said said, you have to be careful because you can always teach what you know, Brother Daniel, but you can only reproduce who you are. mm And this is the danger when preachers are talking a message that they don't really believe themselves. This is the danger when we're saying things out of our religious obligation that we've never entered in or walked in the reality of. And God is calling us higher. He's calling us to be able to reach further than we're reaching. that's why your show and shows like this are so key and critical to the body of Christ because this is a resource to get people to begin to walk in a new reality. a limitless reality. A limitless reality. Keenan. And uh,
1: oh, you know God once told me, Daniel, you have to be or reflect the destination you're pointing others towards. Come on. That's personal responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. If I can't let God do it in me, how can I help someone get to the place where God is doing it in them? Uh-oh. The best thing I can do is get out of God's way.
2: <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh man.
2: Oh yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> God is good. Just...
1: Keenan, I, I-, I want to talk about blessing. Um, okay, so we're talking about prophetic prayer. Now, yeah. if you can command things, you can command a womb. If you can command a situation, if you could speak to it, mm-hmm. what does that say about? the power of blessing things in your life. Blessing... Go ahead. No, no, please, go ahead, continue. I was just saying, I mean, blessing the things under your stewardship. Why would you do that?
2: Well, you'll do it if you want to get results. And... The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 that God has blessed us with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Now watch, this is amazing. The word blessing there is the Greek word eulogia, which is where we get the English word eulogy. Eulogy. A eulogy is when we speak well of someone or something that's dead. So in a sense, God's eulogized us. <laughs> Why? Because we're dead according to Colossians 3 and our life is hidden with Christ. So we're, we're saying goodbye to the dead things and we're speaking a blessing over those things which are good in our life. So we have to eulogize our situation. We have to seek the blessing over our lives. Why? Because we're already blessed. If I'm blessed, then the only thing I should speak concerning my life is blessing. I need to speak and proclaim blessings over my children, blessings over my family, blessings over my finances, and say I'm blessed. You know, I have this colloquial expression and folks don't like it. I know it's a lot of religious folks use it, but sometimes I'll say I'm too blessed to be stressed. And people will say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds good. But no, I really am. You can't stress me out (laughs) because (laughs) I'm blessed. I'm too blessed to be stressed. You can't stress me. Life will not control me because the Father has already spoken well over me. He's given me what is known as the birthright blessing. And I walk in the birthright blessing. I speak the birthright blessing. And when our listeners begin to do that They're going to begin to see greater blessings In their lives as well uh,
1: the, Man Folks uh, We're talking with Keenan Bridges uh, His book The Power of Prophetic Prayer Release Your Destiny uh, It's it's brand new it's, it's just out I read a good portion of it today Very very good stuff Um I need to get you before we, you know, end up closing this interview out and everything. Uh, to, to talk about Hebrews four sixteen, because the Bible says we are to come boldly before the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help in time of need. Now, what does this have to do with effective prayer? Um. Simply put, we
2: cannot pray from a place that we don't believe we belong. Now, this is heavy because the reason why the enemy wants us condemned is so that we will not pray from that place of grace. We want to approach the throne of grace and receive what we need. You know, in the Old Testament, ironically, the mercy seat was really the place where most people died. <laughs> As if you came incorrectly, the wrath of God, the, the, it, it, would, it wasn't even the wrath. What the Lord showed me is that the glory of God was so tangible that any sin would have to be eradicated. If it happened to be on you or in you, you would have to die with it. So the glory of God, was a, a, the, the, the mercy seat was a place of terror because you you, you 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 didn't know what was going to happen when you went into that Holy of Holies. You had to just hope and pray that you were accepted. Well, when Jesus ascended to the Father and placed his blood upon the mercy seat, that mercy seat of the old covenant in the Holy of Holies became a throne of grace to every believer. Not only a place of acceptance and unmerited favor but also a place of empowerment as we approach the throne of grace we are empowered to affect our lives we are empowered to affect change in the earth and so this is key to prophetic prayer because you won't prophesy you won't declare if you don't have confidence and our confidence comes from knowing That through Jesus we are in right standing With the Father and thereby eligible To approach him In the place of prayer And as we do we pray with a new Authority and boldness in our lives That will cause us To receive everything that he has For us
1: Powerful Powerful Um Keenan, This is great um <laughs> this has really been great. Uh you you're just spot on, brother. Um folks, his book The Power of Prophetic Prayer, Release Your Destiny, and his website www.kenanbridges.com That's K Y N A N Bridges, B R I D G E S dot com Keenan, if there's uh, anything or any last words you want to say before we close this interview, what would you like to say?
2: Well, I just want to speak over the people. I want to encourage them that you have a prophetic DNA. You know, years ago they discovered DNA in the bandages of, of a victim. of a, uh, Maybe he had been in a war situation. One of the patients, and they discovered... they put this, this pus under a microscope and they, they, uh, they discovered it was dioxyribonucleic acid, which we refer to now as DNA. It's a molecule made up of nucleic acids, sugars, and other um, phosphates and different things that determine the attributes or the makeup of every living organism. And so the DNA is the codex that determines our potential and the natural. In the same way, we've received the prophetic DNA. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, any man who's in Christ is a new creature, a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God. Why? Because the minute we became born again, geneo. To be seated to be born to come into being the minute we became born again through the blood of Jesus we receive his genetic codex in our spirit which means that we now have unlimited prophetic potential so I want to encourage our listeners in the name of Jesus father I just activate release declare proclaim that you are raising up a generation of prophetic warriors that will pray prophetically and bring transformation not only to their lives, but to the lives of everyone around them. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Amen. Um, Awesome. At some point, we'll have to have you back. Uh, For the time being, (laughs) folks, uh, www.kynanbridges.com Keen, I just want to thank you for taking the time out of your Schedule. You're very busy. Schedule uh, to be on this program with me, and uh, I just bless you and everything that you are working on in Jesus' name, folks. Until next time, God bless and God speed.
0: Discovering the truth with Dan DeBall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ and to unveil the truth behind the lies this program has been a production of Bride Ministries you can find us at www.bridemovement.com at our website you can contact us access resources and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us, and be sure to like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless, and Godspeed.